Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. So I got new headphones, right? And they were more expensive than I normally spend on headphones, but mm-hmm. not as much as headphones usually cost. Um, I spent like 90 bucks on them. I know you were telling me that you well, you spent an absurd amount on your headphones. Yeah, but in my defense, right, I've had them since 2018. So if you spread that over the length of the time I've had them, it's like 70 bucks a year. Okay, sure. Um, now, I th- they come with a lot of good features, but it, there's also some drawbacks. And mm-hmm. sometimes when you buy something for more than you normally spend, you have to like justify like, oh, these drawbacks aren't actually that bad. I'm just overreacting. Right. I've, na- I've had these long enough to where I'm like, these are it's just a bad feature of the headphones. For example, if I tap the side of my headphones, in theory, it should pause whatever is happening. Right. But if I hold down on the side of my headphones, it will bring up my Google Assistant. However, the headphones does not recognize that when I tap, it's only a tap. So every time I try to pause something just by tapping the side of my headphones, it brings up the Google Assistant, uh, which is not what I want at all, actually. Does your headphones do that if you slide in one direction, it'll change the song or whatever? Yep. Mm-hmm. And if, and if I slide, slide up, up and down, it changes the volume. Yeah. So I sleep with my headphones. When I try to turn up whatever, nine times out of ten, I end up rewinding and starting the whole song over oh, again. Oh, yikes. And in most case, the hour-long podcast. Hey, can I turn this up a little Ooh. bit? Nope. You're going to start over. So now i got to look at my phone in the bright light and blind myself, ruin my night vision, and now... I have to go find out where I was. It sucks, dude. And so these are all just like minor complaints over relatively good quality products. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out like what that line is for like what is the deal breaking line. All right. So like one feature of it not pausing, whatever. I'm usually within arm's reach of my phone. I can pause it myself. Not that big a deal. Um, I'm trying to think if headphones got hot, that would probably be a deal breaker. Well, here's another thing. There is a number where you expect I should have no issues and any issues will make me upset. Now, I spent a lot of money on mine. I am in my head just under that number. Like, I allow myself to have two issues. And guess what? I have two issues. (laughs) But but if I had any more game over, dude, it'd, it'd be horrible. Well, my last headphones were I was literally holding them together with a bobby pin because like they worked fine it's just that like the hinge connecting the headphone to the headband was had fallen off so i used a bobby pin to hold it in place uh and that made the headphone survive like another six months and you know again it's a problem i'm will you know it didn't happen until a year and a half into the headphones into the headphones lifespan and it was just some little home ingenuity i made it work and and this is why I don't buy expensive earbuds. I specifically save expensive like audio stuff for headphones because I was one of those kids that lost my DS games all the time. Ooh. Let me express all the time. That sucks. And so I, there, I spent probably just as much of my childhood looking for my DS games as I did playing my DS games. And they got to a point where like my grandma was like, hey, they sell these like little, 
these cases, we should get you a case so you stop losing them so often. And even as a nine-year-old, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That just means I'm going to lose three games at once. And I would like to avoid that. Thank you very much. I used to lose one thing my childhood. It's the it's the one thing Your that dignity? I lost all the time. My glasses. Ooh, you kind of need those. don't know how I did it, dude, because I could not see without them. And my parents like bought me really nice ones, like transition lenses. They were like, you could drive over them with a car. You could sit on them. They were glare proof, right? They were super bendy. Like they were f- perfect, like f- hundreds of dollars. I lost those so fast. Got me a second pair. Not so quite fast. As nice. Lost those again. They got me a third pair after about a year. Are you losing them those. in the house? I don't know, Craig. I Most of the time it was... I, I honestly don't know. The problem was, is I didn't realize when I lost him. <laughs> oh my but God. I was a third, fourth and fifth grader. So this is like under 10, right? Cause in middle school, you stopped losing your glasses, but in elementary school, I'm like, bro, how do you, how? Yeah. But it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense because you should know instantly when you can't see. Yeah, for sure. But <laughs> Everything's blurry for some reason. And I can't imagine why. Right. And my eyes were bad. So it's not like I could just like pass off be like oh i can't i can kind of function without them there was no reason to take them off ever i i remember getting so offended not like if it was like a blow to my dignity where my teacher was like oh you can't see the board that well you should move up so you can see better i'm like no oh, yeah dude no i, I can see fine back here i hate I'm fine. that don't accommodate for me dude it's just <laughs> it, <laughs> doing it felt like it felt like you're making the small thing the largest handicap. Okay, I'm going to tell... Oh, my God. It, talk about embarrassing a student. I remember very specifically, there was a girl in third grade who, like... uh, what In elementary school, she struggled a little bit with reading and writing. Once we got into middle school, like, she was fine. She caught up. But, like, those elementary school years were a little more difficult for her. And I remember in third grade, we would switch desks every week. We would just kind of, like, move up or down. In, like, the lateral system. But she stayed exactly where she was, like, for an entire semester. Because she had to sit in front of a wall that said, that had, it was a printout of the word bed with, like, you know, one thumbs up over the B and one thumbs up over the D. And I asked him about it, like, what what's the deal with this? And he just told, like, the entire class, like, yeah, she has trouble with her Bs and Ds, so she stays there where she can see that. And I'm like... Dude, well, that's a little chill. embarrassing, don't you think? Hey, man. She was there I'm for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Freaking this yikes, is also the dude. same teacher that let me look inside his mouth to see his degraded tooth from smoking cigarettes his entire life. <laughs> Elementary school teachers are whack. Oh, good grief. Well, we can't spend our entire time talking about this. We yeah. need to move on to our Let's movie. Let's talk about our movie. Because we could talk about this for hours. This week, we are starting our franchise month. We are watching the Terminator franchise, starting with the Terminator. Uh, we're going to talk all spoilers because you know that's kind of what we do with our franchise movies. If you don't want to hear us talk about this at all, you can skip to the next segment at this time code right here. Time code 2434. Okay, the Terminator is an old sci-fi movie. Yeah. And it shows in almost every aspect of it. But it gets real bad in certain parts. And then yes. other parts, it's passable. Like, hey, it was in 1984. I get it. 
And but there are other parts where you're like, this is unacceptable. And up until I don't know what specifically changed it. I, I could I would have to like look at a timeline of movies to point out like this movie changed this concept. But sci-fi up through up through the 80s was purposefully slow and methodical because 80s sci-fi was a lot about the integration in sci-fi in like a normal life ideal. They wanted to flex. It was just like them prophesying what the future would look like. So they have to do a day yes. in the life. They have to like show you around and be like, this is what's different. This is what's different. And they're, they're just guessing. Unfortunately for them, their guess was 2029, which is seven years from now. <laughs> which, when you talk about it, like it happened in seven years. Yeah, I put that in my notes. I'm like, LA 2029, bro, a lot has happened seven years in the future. It A lot of bad things would have to happen. Also, we have to completely get rid of all of our guns because everyone's going to be on lasers. Yes, yeah. We are, the fact that no, as far as we're aware, no laser technology has entered the mainstream market. We have to go a long ways before they are like, you know, the new <laughs> nine millimeter. Yeah, it's going to be impressive. Um, So what this, the thing is, is they didn't explain this or if they did, I wasn't paying attention. They cut to 2029. They show a battle in the future. And then they cut back to 1984. I was so confused because I'm like, man, this doesn't look like a good guess of what the future would be like anyway. It looks like the 80s. It's because it was taking place in the 80s. What ended up happening yeah. was there was two people from the future who went back in time and they just don't tell you. They just assume. Yeah. That you know. And so th- and so that's and so that's what I mean by uh, 80s sci-fi being very methodical where they it, it was a, it was a theme of the era to like not give you the answers when you wanted them. It wanted you to kind of like linger in the mystery of it. And, you know, you figured out quickly that this they traveled to the 80s. Like, we don't know exactly what happened in the future. They give us like a little text blurb at the beginning that's like in the future machines rise and we are in a nuclear war. And that's kind of all you get. And then you see flashes of light and then two dudes are back in the 80s. And that's kind of all you get for like 30 minutes. Yeah, I guess in their defense, the 80s was just current day. So for them, they're like, they just recognize yeah. stuff. But for us, they went from a couple of years from now to 30 years in the past. Almost 40 almost years Almost 40. Like more on the side of 40 than 30. And for us, we're like, okay, now we're traveling to the past now. No, they're going back to present day. And basically, the Terminator is a guy who is a bad guy in the future. Who went back in time to kill one of the rebel leaders. Mom. <laughs> to kill yes, the mom specifically, yes. of one of the rebel leaders. To like kind of get ahead of the rebellion. Yeah, so in the future, the leader of the of the rebellion is a man named John Connors. And so the Terminators are like, well, we can't beat him in our present fight. So we have to go back in time and kill his mom. And the rebels get wind of this plan and are like, okay, we'll send someone back to protect her. Easy peasy. And the movie is this this other rebel guy defending Sarah Connor while being hunted by a Terminator. And that, and that's that's it's a very simple premise when you lay it out like that. Yeah. Um. And there but is the no movie really to likes to talk about the yeah. That is literally that's the story. It's Kyle Reese protecting Sarah Connor. From the Terminator. And a bunch of people get in the way. 
And this movie is, I'm going to say like violent. This movie is violent. Oh, for sure, dude. It's. And not in kind of like that clean cut assassin kind of violence we're used to now. It's like like punching someone. He walks into a police station. Yeah, punching someone through the chest. He walks into a police station armed to the teeth, and you watch them get blown away from their desks and around corners, up against the wall, through windows, like all of that. Yeah. Okay. So this, speaking of gore, this is my first problem. And really one of only two, okay, two problems with the special effects. One of them is the fact that when the Terminator gets shot in the face and they try to do the whole eye scene, it is so obviously a dummy. And it's off-putting how bad the special effects are. Because Arnold, we all know what he looks like. We've been watching him for an hour. He gets his face blown away. So now he's losing an eye. So he takes out his eye. And now he's got that red dot that you see from the posters and the iconic look. The problem is, is they didn't know how to do that on him. So they replaced a dummy for his entire head and it looks bad. That being said, I do like, you know, after, cause after he's done with like the, sur- like after he's done with like the self surgery and everything, um, he goes out like the rest of the movie is like practical makeup that yeah, carries like through the rest of it. Well, I mean like even when his like face is like half blown off in the middle of a scene that he's like act that he's acting in, you know, the practical makeup for that, you know, is not bad. It's like kind of freaky where like even the flaws in practical makeup kind of added to that for me where it's like, yeah, you can tell that this is, you know, movie makeup and it's his face is a little extended and you can see kind of the rips in it all. But for me, that was kind of like part of it. I, I think that's part of this movie's charm in a I way. I knew you were going to say that, bro. I don't like how bad things can be part of a movie's charm. It's bad things. If they could change it, they would. They didn't th- okay, do it on purpose. Thing. I don't think it's bad. Here's the thing. Here's how I know it's bad. If they had access to what we had now, they would use it. Which means they did the best they could and it still wasn't good enough. And that's that's okay. But you don't get points for charm. You don't, I don't, I'm not giving out points for trying. Like you did your best, I guess. Um, But I would have seen that as James Cameron, the director and been like, oh, we're going to go a different direction because this isn't good enough. And it was in my defense. It's mainly towards that dummy. His special, his practical effects makeup wasn't great. And you knew he was wearing makeup, but you got over it because so many people are getting blown away. You're like, okay, this is something I can ignore. There's so many explosions and shootouts and this guy's getting shot every which way when he walks in that police station and then just turns around and then dual wields ARs like it's wild and then the second thing and this I'm skipping to the end of the movie is yes. the robot yeah that that one that one's harder to forgive i mean like it's easier to forgive because it, that's like one of the few moments of full cgi and creating like rigging a full like model to get through like all of that is it was expensive. It was difficult. Um, And so I I forgive it in terms of like, it kind of like what you said of like, if you had the better technology, you would have used it, but you didn't have it. But that's, that is a little bit that took me out of it more than the makeup did. 
Yeah, it was rough. The thing is, is this movie starts off pretty good, and then there's a slow decline. And I think, and for me, a lot of that had to do with the story and the dialogue. Also, yeah, Connors is a, she's not a great main character, bro. I'll just say it. But I will say, props to the people in the 80s. They casted people who look like real people. These are not models. These are not superstars. They didn't, you know, put on 50 pounds of muscle for this movie. They just look like regular people. So Sarah Connor looks like a regular woman. And Reese, who's coming back to help, looks like a regular dude. Just generic people. So, yeah, I'm I'm used to, this is not a good thing. I'm just saying it's a fact. I'm used to, I can get around this person's acting because they're gorgeous. Like, that's why they have superheroes take off their shirt. I'm like, I don't know what this guy's saying, but he looks great. Um, And in this, I'm like, I'm actually paying attention to what she's saying. And the dialogue sucks. And I don't know if that's her acting or the dialogue or both. But the the dialogue and the plot just was a slow decline. Because then you realize, oh, is this the entire movie? Is it just them getting chased? Like, is that? I guess that's going to happen this entire movie. And then you realize, okay, well, they beat him, obviously. Um, We still got... 10 minutes left of this movie. Okay. Uh, what's going to happen now? And then it was just cheesy line after corny line after cringe. And it was not fun. Yeah. I think in terms of the story, it's the difficult part for me was the time frame that, you know, now Reese has this legacy in Sarah's mind when they were together for like 12 hours. Right. Yes. And, and now for the rest of the franchise, she is regarded as an expert on Terminators, despite the fact that she was the damsel in distress for 80% of it. And right. if I, you know, and, and I've seen this movie and T2 before. So I know that I kind of understand the consequences of her going through this. And so it's just kind of weird going back to this and being like, how much her legacy has changed and the people around her has changed and how she views the people around her because of this like 12 hour experience. Yeah. I, it was very unbelievable how they said you're teaching people martial arts and gun handling and all that stuff. I'm like, well, that must be way in the future. Cause this woman is helpless in like pretty much the entire movie. It is unbelievable how helpless this woman is. Like, I'm trying to remember a time when she like did damage. I think that she made a very good, um, I, I, I don't know, like team support where like when it was like when she needed to drive, she did a good job of like driving straight. And when, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, just like, just like little things, like making sure that Reese had the support to do stuff that he needed to do. And so the pivot into almost secondary character to, badass leader i feel like there are just like some skips and jumps that the movie wants us to make that we don't have a lot of context for yeah i'm hoping that changes in the upcoming terminators that we can see a transition and we don't just wake up one day and she's a badass like that would be annoying yeah just seeing her kind of like go go through it would be a little it it would make sense It it would be nice for her character right um, little trivia for you. O.J. Simpson was considered for Terminator, but the producers feared he was too nice to be taken seriously as a, you know, cold-blooded killer. Um, so they casted Schwarzenegger instead. And Schwarzenegger was originally supposed to be Reese, 
But after Conan and a bunch of other crazy, you know, Macho Man stuff, they put him as Terminator. And OJ didn't get it, obviously, because it was too nice. And then proceeded to allegedly kill his fan, you know. Okay, I do want to say, for all, all the critiques that I've given this movie... Schwarzenegger is very cool in this movie. He do. I really like Schwarzenegger in this movie. I've realized that when he doesn't talk, it's amazing. It's so impressive because he he plays a cyborg so well. It's yeah. It's so impressive. Like and if you read about stoic. like the pro and if you read about the process he took to like make sure like this is the kind of method acting that I approve of is just this like very simple, like dedication and practice and rehearsal. Like it, it, this felt he, he had a dedication to this role that I genuinely admire. And the action scene in this movie, I, I think are just very cool. And the tone for this movie is set very quickly. Um, if not when he, you know, destroys a biker gang, but I think when the Terminator kills, uh, her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend. Yep. Like you're like, oh, this guy's like, th- th- this guy's like gonna just do anything. He does not care, and that I think does a really good job of instilling like a level of. Th- as soon as that happens, I become anxious about where he is compared to them at any point in the movie. Because even when he flees a scene, I'm like, he's not gonna be gone for long. He could come back at any moment. Yeah, it was very much one of those, like, uh, my wife pointed it out, like a horror movie Halloween thing, where he's going to chase you, and sometimes he's not even going to be running, but you're going to shut the door, turn, and look back in the room, and he's going to be standing there waiting to kill you. Very ominous presence. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And, like, all the shootouts were fun, all the explosion stuff was fun. I think it's very much a new hope. In the sense that, like, it's a good start to a franchise, but I know it's going to get better from here. At least for a little bit. There's not a lot of world building done for the future. So all that is, like, ready for us. There's also a lot of things that I don't know how they're going to do. Because obviously a movie came out, like, what, two years ago? Which means, like, yeah, mm-hmm. why Arnold Schwarzenegger obviously aged. Um, the actress who plays Sarah Connor, I can't remember... Linda Hamilton. Yeah, obviously aged. I don't know how they're going to work that in so this all makes sense. Um, I think in this movie, Sarah Connor is supposed to be 18, which doesn't seem believable at all. That Yeah, I don't know if that's true. Um, it's it's going to be rough, dude. Um, but I think as long as they keep introducing new things and new things, it'll keep it interesting. I've heard two is the best of the franchise, and that's next. So I'm very excited. You said this came out in 84. Yep. Uh, online says Sarah was nine in 1973. So plus 11 would make her 20. Okay. Yeah. Not far off. It still seems really young for what the actress looked like. Yeah. Also, I just want to go back, you know, you implying that Linda Hamilton, uh, isn't good looking is whatever. I know you're going to disagree with me on this and we might just have to cut the whole thing, but like, I know Linda Hamilton can still get it. She could get it. Then she could get it now. Um, I think she just looks normal. I don't think it's, I don't think she looks bad. I just think she looks like a normal person, which I enjoyed. Same thing with Kyle Reese. I think he just looked like a dude until he took his shirt off. And I'm like, okay, obviously he's been working out, but, um, I think it was good that they didn't have like a Scarlett Johansson type character or a Megan Fox type character. We're like, oh, so the future came back 
to find a woman who is very believable as being ordinary. And that's okay, I'm bro. I'm giving this movie a seven flat. I'm giving this movie a six and a quarter. It's All not right. bad. I wouldn't watch it again. No. I would actually, I would watch it again. I'd rather not just because there's a couple of scenes that really date itself, but it's not bad. It's not bad. We're going to move on to our improv segment. Uh, this segment is called Two Degrees of Separation. The way this works is uh, we are going to give each other two seemingly unconnected subject matters in our world, and it is up to the other person to create some sort of conspiracy theory type connection between the two of them. Dude, as okay, I'm going to do a little disclaimer. This is so much harder than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> it is so it's much one of those things. It's one of those things where you, like, as soon as somebody says it, you come up with, like, the instant connector. Like, okay, here's how I'm going to get it. And then you start talking, and then you realize that connector doesn't make nearly as much sense as you think it does. So you just have to keep talking until something connects. And then also the problem is, is the second you say those two things, the audience in each of their heads goes, oh, I know what I would do. It's obvious. And then we probably won't do that. And they're thinking, well, the reason that went bad is because you didn't go with the obvious thing. And I'm like, hey, bro, it's two random things. I don't know what to tell you. Um, do you want to go first and show them how it's done? For sure. For sure. Okay. So all in Australia, allegedly, when you flush the toilet, it spins the opposite direction as the northern hemisphere. Okay. Okay. And you're going to relate that to the shortage of baby formula. Yeah, for sure, 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 for sure. Yeah, you got this. Well, go with the obvious one. Do what everyone's thinking. Yes, obviously. So we all know the reason why the water spins backwards. If it's a myth or not, who knows? No one could really tell us. But the the scientific reason why that would be true is the Coriolis effect. What mm-hmm. is the Coriolis effect, you ask? Well, the Coriolis effect is when capitalism kind of like breaks down a society so far that the society has to rely on capitalism, but capitalism doesn't have to rely on the society, right? And so... When you have a nation that's like, hey, we need baby formula, and the baby formula manufacturers are like, "Mm, but we don't have to give it to you, technically speaking. And so there's kind of like this um, stress that is kind of created throughout this entire nation. And in order to relieve that stress, some people go on vacation they travel to a different nation and some people just like straight up leave entirely and some people decide to go to australia to you know either vacation or just make Mm -hmm. things a little bit better for themselves uh and then you know they go down there they see the toilets flush in a different direction and they think oh I am not nearly as comfortable here as I thought it would be. I kind of just put all the English-speaking countries in a wheel, spun it, and this is where I landed. Um, But clearly, I am so far out of my comfort zone, I don't even know how to behave. And they start going back to their normal, uh, what they expect from society. And they then start to build a new uh, socioeconomic structure that is as greedy oh, and demanding as the one that they left. Yep. And thus the cycle begins itself again, all because these toilets just couldn't keep themselves in the right direction. Make um, sense? Let me... Any questions? <laughs> um, I have never been more lost in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad when you said the reason why the toilets do that thing, um, and you said Coriolis effect, I'm like, 
So we were thinking the exact same thing. And then you <laughs> said, you know, ex- you went off on t- on tangents that clearly you were tripping on. Like you ob- it, it was it was the most obscure references and and decision making I've ever seen. That it was it was uh, it was pure something, you know. Uh, you so, want to give me something to see how I do because I'm I'm yeah. actually getting scared. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me like what the connection is um, between HOAs, a homeowners association, mm-hmm. and um, the decision to not include chargers in new Apple product boxes? Okay. Okay. We're gonna. <sighs> I'm getting nervous. Here we go. <laughs> Not include charges in new Apple what boxes? Just in new Apple product boxes. New, I didn't know. I know they did it for Apple watches. I didn't know they were doing it for everything. Okay. I, I, I'm I not an Apple guy. So I'm just like, whatever okay, so, is the correct version okay, of that. We'll do, do watches because that. it's what I know. All right. All right. So we know. Let's lay out the facts. HOAs <laughs> take dues in order to keep the community desirable. You want people to keep moving in. So you need it. You need the mowing to be on. It needs to be done at least bi-weekly. I think it's recommended weekly um, or around every 10 days. There needs to be minimal litter. Um, the noise um, after hours needs to be kept to a minimum. Kids need to feel safe. Obviously, no glass bottles. That whole thing, right? In comes the phenomenon of chargers, of disposable accessories to phones, to watches, to things like that. That's the enemy of the HOA. The HOA hates everything disposable. They hate anything that could possibly end up as litter, anything that makes the neighborhood seem more common. It needs to be as elitist as it comes. We need money to come to our community. And nothing says money like you just bought a brand new product and you're going to need to go back to the store to buy more things for it. It's like buying a car and not having everything you need being like oh now you need premium gas so not only did you buy something expensive for the rest of the time you own it it's got to be more expensive so the hoa has systematically sent spies in corporate espionage into different sectors of the government and the whole business sector and stock market and anywhere that makes money and says if you involve with our community we need to make this more elitist we need to make this more expensive to, in turn, attract people to our community. So that's how HOA got involved and got rid of chargers for our Apple devices. My favorite part of that theory is when you clearly couldn't come up with the words of who decided where the chargers went. So you're like, they infiltrated the government. There's a word and, uh, for it. And, and business and stocks. There's, the business sector? Dude, I was just saying words. I was there's a there's a word for infiltrate that I couldn't there's another word for that that I could not think of and I still can't think of it. It's what, you know what it's like what what's like what's in, inception when you like insert things? You're losing not me, man. It's just so hard. Okay, we're gonna move on and I'm gonna find out what it is. What is it called when like the CIA in, like installs a new leader? Like what is that word? Like when someone interferes and in, imparts their will. Ah, whatever. I guess I'm just uh, stupid. <laughs> Are you ready for our next segment, Craig? Yeah. It's the Juilliard audition. I have pulled three monologues, and you are doing the hardest thing possibly to ever do as an artist. 
and you need to get into Juilliard, the school of schools. I have three monologues. Yes. I'm going to direct you through them. I'm going to do what Axel Weber could not. That's a joke for people that use TikTok. Okay, here we go. First one is coming your way. This is a monologue. We're going to read it through a little bit, um, and we're going to see how you do. I'll stop you, direct you as as needed. Audience, uh, just for your background, this is from The Notebook. A movie that I have not seen. Well, you'll figure it out. It's pretty straightforward. My dearest Allie, I couldn't sleep last night because I know that it's over between us. This is taking place in the South, so we're going to need to throw a little twang in it. Get rid of that whatever British proper accent. It's This guy is like this is... a backwoods, knows how to ride horses, fishes, noodles, all that stuff. Wears overalls all the time. Gets muddy. This is the most common note that you give me, <laughs> is make it Southern. Yeah, well, man, read the room, okay? My dearest, my dearest okay. Allie. Okay, I couldn't, I, okay. Hold on, I had, to fi- I had to find it. Stop, cut, 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 cut. Wait. So now I chose the wrong South. Okay, bro. I need you to like turn look more conversational. Don't not so thick. Okay, and we can pick up the pace. He's not dumb. I was just trying to find it. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the voice of my directors over here. Like, shut up, shut up, do it right. <laughs> Says three words. Cut, cut. That's not gonna work. Maybe we casted the wrong guy. My dearest Allie, I couldn't sleep last night because I know that it's over between us. I'm not bitter anymore because I know that what we had was real. And if in some distant place in the future we see each other in our new lives, I smile at you with joy and remember how we spent the summer beneath the trees, learning okay, from each other and cut. Um, listen. I love. I would love that if just like Martin Scorsese one day is just like pause, pause, pause. hold pause. on, pause. Um, <laughs> this is gonna work. Here's the thing. Um, he's heartbroken. He's been writing her letters. She has not been responding. He has no idea what's going on, but he's just writing because he's desperate. So let me hear some of that desperation. Uh, you can start from, uh, and if in that distant place. And if in some distant place in the future, we see each other in our new lives, I'll smile at you with joy and remember how we spent the summer beneath the trees, learning from each other and growing in love. The best love is the kind that awakens the soul and makes us reach for more. All right, that I'm plants a fire right in our heart. You're doing great. Cut. Um, when that best love comes around, I need to get kind of sultry with it. You just got horny. Okay. So I, this is the second most common note that I'm given <laughs> is make it Southern and make it sultry. So I don't know what kind of movies Alex would make <laughs> if given the opportunity, just, but I feel like pulling, we're getting like, a really good insight right here. What if I'm just pulling like erotica? <laughs> and I'm having you read it to a voice that turns me off. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, Craig, I need you to do this voice. Start over, start over. But make it more like this. And are you wearing a dress right now? Just out of curiosity. Are you wearing a dress? I just, yeah. I'm just curious. Hey, what are you wearing? Um, after this, let's uh, let's do some video audition. Okay, again. <laughs> so let's do. Uh, I'll smile at you with joy, and then when you hit the best, love is the kind that awakens the soul. Turn it up. Okay, I'll smile at you with joy, and remember how we spent the summer beneath the trees, learning from each other and growing in love. The best love is the kind that awakens the soul and makes us reach for more. That plants a fire in our hearts and brings peace to our minds. And that's what you've given me. That's what I hope to give you forever. I love you. I'll be seeing you. Noah. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. 
<laughs> on to the next one coming your way i want to tell you right now i'm not doing a forrest gump voice <laughs> and if that's a note i will blatantly dis i will ignore okay. it okay that's fine ladies and gentlemen he's gonna be doing a monologue from forrest gump if you couldn't pick up on it so let's just I'm have a cold start with the southern accent we're gonna start with the southern accent because obviously we're gonna to have to get there at some point <laughs> right. okay sounds good to me let's hear what you got <laughs> You died on a Sunday morning, and I had placed you there, under our tree. And I had that house of your father's bulldozed to the ground. Mama always said dying was a part of life. I sure wish it wasn't. Okay, let's Little forest. Okay, cut, cut. You're talking to the grave of your dead lover. Spoilers, you by the way. put that in there? <laughs> Start from wherever you want. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Dead lover, dead lover, got it. You died on a Sunday morning, woo! And I had you placed here under our tree, and I had that house of your father's bulldozed to the All ground. Right. Okay, this is a very similar note to last time. Let's yeah, tone back the Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's tighten the reins on that bad boy. <laughs> and uh, you know what? We're going to go for something different here. Everyone's seen Forrest Gump. Okay. Let's spice up a little bit. Let's do a Uper, um, Michigan slash like Canadian, Wisconsin, like Northern Midwestern accent. And you got to be sad, dude. This is your longtime lover, okay, sad. the mother sad, to sad, your sad. child, but very like Midwest from the top. I have to find the voice. Hold on. And you know what? I'll let you, I'll let you get a couple sentences in so you can find it. I'm trying to remember any voice they did in Fargo. It's the don't you know, that kind of. Don't you know. Now you better listen here. You better listen here, don't you know. You died on a Sunday morning, and I had placed you here under our tree. And I had that house of your father's bulldozed to the ground. Mom always said that dying was a part of life. I sure wish it wasn't. Little Forrest, he's doing just fine. About to start school again soon. I make his breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. I make sure he combs his hair and brushes his teeth every day. All teaching right. him how to play ping pong. I'm a, I'm a What's stop up? You there. Um, so this Midwestern Not thing sold? is perfect. But oh, okay. I think the tricky part is you sound he's like everyone's. acting while doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you sound like everybody's mom, and I'm not getting a lot of that sadness. So okay, yeah. I'm going to be the rain. I'm going to make rain noises, and you're going to be weeping in the middle of a storm, just talking to the grave. Okay. Like, imagine, like, John Wick, they just shot my dog. I'm carrying the body, and I'm broken up, and I can barely breathe. Okay. Little Forrest, he's doing just fine. About to start school again soon. I make his breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. I make sure he combs his hair and brushes his teeth every day. Teaching him how to play ping pong. I need you weeping. He's really good. We fish a lot. Like too much probably. And every night we read a book. He's so smart, Jenny. You'd be so proud of him. I am. He uh wrote you a letter, but I, I he says I can't read it. I'm not right, supposed to. So Midwestern, we're slipping into the South. Yeah, I know. I, I, I yeah, I got it. Uh, uh, let's do the. I don't know if Mama's to, right. Uh, I don't know if Mama's right or if it's Lieutenant Dan. I don't know if we can have a destiny or 
if we're all just floating around accidental on a breeze. But I, but I think maybe it's both. But maybe both is happening at the same time. I miss you, Jenny. Craig. If there's anything you need, yeah. You need to be broken up. Like I, here's what we're gonna do. From the lieutenant okay. Dan again, we're gonna do that elementary schooler like. <laughs> The, I just got done crying and I haven't learned Lieutenant how to talk Dane. again yet. So do that Midwestern accent. I'm going to stop the rain so you can focus. I don't know if mama's right or if it's Lieutenant Dan. I don't know. I don't know if it's mama or if it's or if it's Lieutenant Dan. I, I, I don't know if we if we each have a destiny or, okay, okay. or if we're all We're leaning around. more into a stutter here. I need more just got done crying and less Forrest Gump. Hey, um... When did this turn into an actual directorial study? Because uh, I feel like this stopped being a bit about five minutes ago. <laughs> I didn't realize how much time we were spending on this one monologue. I looked at the clock. And yeah. Like, oh boy. <laughs> we were trying really to record to this episode kind of quickly, and Alex <laughs> is like, "Let's do an entire workshop on this one Forrest Gump monologue." Okay, we'll cut the last scene, but you need to take this seriously. Okay. Or we'll do the last scene, but it's going to be a cold read, and I'm going to give you live edits. But you got to finish this strong. Okay, let's let's just wrap this one up. Okay. But I think maybe it's both. Go hard. Okay. I don't, I don't know if Mama's right or if it's Lieutenant Dan. I, I, I don't know if we each have a destiny or, or if we're all floating around accidental on a breeze. But I think maybe it's both. Maybe both is happening at the same time. I miss you, Jenny. If there's anything you need, I won't be far away. Nailed it. Oscar worthy. You got the part. Guaranteed. Beautiful Hold on. If we won an Oscar, I'll make sure to punch a wall real quick. Because that really (laughs) seems to sell him on that. (laughs) Beautiful job. Beautiful job. So proud of you. This is going to be my 22-minute Sundance standing ovation. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to play this on Jimmy Fallon when they want to know what it was like when you first got started acting. For sure. Okay. We'll cut the last part because you did such a good job. All right. (laughs) Time for the one-hit wonder. Uh, This one-hit wonder is called, How Far Can We Make It Into This Bit Before Alex Gets Uncomfortable? Um, (laughs) Already starting on the edge. (laughs) Don't like that. So Alex and I have come to the conclusion that we both like to double down on very specific styles of humor, whereas... Uh, Alex will double down on dark humor, and I will double down on weird, almost gross-out humor. So, uh, here we're going to do a little bit of a game called, Are These Characters Circumcised? Pretty self-explanatory. Mario? Um, no. Because here's the thing. Most of the European culture does not involve it at all. Okay, so what about Wario? I have a question for you. Okay. I I see your circumcision and raise you. Who is most likely to hang around children just because? Okay. Would that be Jess from New Girl or um, Michael from The Office? I think Michael from The Office because he would hang around and like not understand that it's wrong. Okay. Interesting. Um, I have an entire list of characters. So um, if you want to interrupt me, you better. Yeah. It's not a short list. I'm just going to ride this out. Let's see how we do. Wario. No. Uh, Homelander? Yes. From The Boys? Yep, definitely. Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty? Mm, 
I'm going to say... You might know this. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America. Yes, guaranteed. Joe from you. Um, No. Oh, yes. Yes, he is. Uh, Barney Stinson. Yes. Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. Um, No. Charlie Kelly from It's Always Sunny. Um, no, and he's wondering why he wasn't and kind of wishes he was. Is a little jealous? Yeah. <laughs> That's an episode right there where he tries to do it himself because he got jealous. Oh, 100%. Uh, Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Mark Grayson from Invincible. <sighs> nope. George Clooney's Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah. And finally, Edward Cullen. And that's where this bit ends. And definitely no. He's probably not. He's too old for that. Well, that was I mean, fun. he was an 18-year-old once. Yeah. I, I hope everybody sat through that with the same kind of, like, bated breath that I'm sure Alex did. What was that called again, Craig? Uh, How far can Alex make it through this bit without getting uncomfortable? Man, I'm, my tolerance for your BS is so high. Um, do you want to go into, I almost called it ball kicking, um, free balling segment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You start us off. Okay. I watched some stand up. I watched Michael Che's new hour that came out last year on Netflix. And I watched Fahim Anwar stand up that's on YouTube. This is not Michael Che's best work. He's sitting down the entire time, which as you know, annoys me a little bit because it's called stand up. It's, he just missed it, missed the mark a little bit. Also, I like joke heavy specials. This one was a little bit more conversational. He did have jokes in there. He's a pretty good writer. Um, but I feel like this he would have a really good half hour. And I think an hour was too much. But I, I'm not even going to give it a rating. It's just it kind of missed the mark for me. I've seen his earlier stuff and it was dope. I think he had a special in 2016. That was great. Um, Fahim Anwar's special on Netflix is also, I think it's like 47 minutes. He records three 15-minute sets at the Comedy Store in L.A. in three different rooms. He is a joke writer. However, there was no. it felt like there was no overlying theme. There was no through line. So it felt like just joke, 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 joke. And there was no, there was no consistency. Yeah, but some comedians can get away with that. Like, yeah, he, you know, I didn't feel like he did. Joe List, like I talked about a couple weeks ago, is a joke writer. But this felt like he was just bouncing around on subjects. And he was just like... Opening a, up a box, uh, a book of knock knock jokes and just flipping pages. Like there was no through line. So that kind of annoyed me. I feel like he's a good joke writer. He's been doing this for a long time. Um, it just wasn't what I was looking for. Sure. Uh, I watched the Bob's Burgers movie, which I was not expecting to watch because I haven't watched Bob's Burgers in like six years. Um, Are you naturally and- like in your original form, a Bob's Burgers fan? Not particular. I'm pretty neutral towards okay. it. It's one of those shows where, like, I watched five seasons of it. Like, I marathoned, like, five seasons. And then I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I get it. Because, like, after, after, especially with comedy shows, once you uh, understand a show's style of humor, very rarely do they surprise you anymore. Right. And I stopped feeling surprised by Bob's Burgers. What they're doing. Like, SpongeBob, like, Family Guy, like, Archer. It's just, like... Different variations of the same thing. Yeah. So I only watched this movie because I needed to get out of the house. Um, (laughs) And I was pleasantly surprised, like to an extent, because the first half of the movie nails it. 
knocks it out of the park. I was ready to put this on like I was ready to put this on my top ten list for the end of the year. Oh, but wow. then like this, but then like the second half of the movie just like stops feeling as funny for whatever reason. I think maybe it goes back to you know they've st- they stopped surprising us. I kind of fell into the groove of Bob's Burgers humor again. That that being said, it's a really good movie. Um, okay. you know, maybe fifteen minutes too long. Maybe the third act could have been punched up a little bit more. But all in a, like there were scenes where I was laughing throughout the entire scene, which does not happen in most comedies. So I I really appreciate that. Um, there are a few songs in the movie. Um, I don't like it when a movie doesn't commit to being a musical or not a musical. It's like, here's a really good opening number. Here's like a number in the middle when you forgot that we were singing. And then here's a number at the end that just sucks. And so I'm like, all right, well, you probably should have just done the opening number and then kind of left the rest alone. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, nice. Yeah, overall, seven and a quarter, probably. Really strong comedy. Better than The Terminator. (laughs) Yeah. I watched Operation Mincemeat. It's got your boy Colin Firth in it. Yes, it does. I've heard average reviews about this. It's not great, bro. It's it's one of those based off a of true story war movies. One of the war stories that few people know about. So it's supposed to make it interesting. It's a World War II classic. It's boring, bro. It's so boring. The coolest part. The tone in which you said World War II classic. I'm going to clip that just because of the tone of your voice. Like, it's a World War II classic. And I'm going to send that to Keegan. Just this is how we're feeling right now. It's just one of those things that like it's got enough history in it that your social studies teacher could show it to you in class. But enough BS to make the story interesting that they can't show you the whole movie. Because it just doesn't. Actually, they yeah. could get away with showing you the whole movie. Because it just doesn't. It's more like a culture thing. It's dumb, bro. This, the B story sucks for this. The main story about what the actual mission is, is dope. And they don't focus on it enough. This movie's a five and a quarter. It's so oh, mad wow. and boring and forgettable. I'm not going to watch this movie again. It's just like a waste. It's just a waste of time. It's You can read what this whole thing's about in maybe one page. And it'd be very interesting. Making into a movie just fell flat on its face. Badly executed, had a lot of potential. I would rather rather watch freaking Midway, Dunkirk. All that stuff is cooler than this. This is just, this is more like Monuments Men, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, um, that kind of thing. It's not it's not good. So I'm not finished with it yet, but I, I've watched five of the seven currently released episodes of stranger things for season four and up until this point stranger things was one of those shows that i thought got better with every season that being said season four isn't bad it's just very poorly paced where 70 minute episodes it it, with every episode it, it feels like it makes certain scenes feel like an afterthought and the group is split up into so many different sections now where like stranger things has always been about the adults are doing one thing and the kids are doing the other thing and now it's like the adults are doing one thing this set of kids is doing one thing this kid is with a separate set of adults and then these kids are off doing something else and then that group separates into other groups who are doing other things i'm like whoa 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 hold on time out time out time out time out and it just and like 
feel like kids still? Because you call them kids in every time, but I don't know if that's just because you're older than them. This is the first time where it's kind of pushing our suspension of disbelief on them being kids. Okay. Because the production is slower than the time they are spending in the show. Because I think the youngest of them is turning 20 and they're... Or no, 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 sorry. The youngest of them is, I think Millie Bobby Brown is the youngest and she's 18 or 19. Um, And And they're freshmen in high schools. Okay. I mean, we've seen worse. We've seen worse. Um, And the show is separated into three sections. Uh, Killing monsters from an alternate dimension, psychic powers by an underground group, and government conspiracy. Now, I'm going to let you guess which of those is the least interesting of the three. Did you guess government conspiracy? Because you'd be correct. <laughs> what, because whenever, and I love Winona Ryder, but she got stuck with the worst plot arc. It's like, hey, someone is stuck in Russia. Let's go get them. Also, it's going to take all seven episodes for us to do that. Meanwhile, Freshmen in high school are battling demons from another dimension. I'm like, it seems like the stakes are not perfectly balanced. Is Was this broken into a part one, part two season? Yes. Part really two broken? comes out in like early July, I think. First weekend of July. Got you. Okay. And there will be two more episodes. Yeah. Um, it's good. That being said, like the parts that I like, I really like. Um, Ethan Hawke and, My- and Uma Thurman's daughter, uh, Maya Hawke. She is fantastic in this uh joe keery is really good um uh gatton don't remember his last name italian last name uh he's really good in it like the performances are out of this world and when the plot is interesting it is very interesting it's just that when it's not it is not (laughs) i watched two shows and finished them ozarks which is one of the best shows i've ever seen top five all time The acting this show is some of the best acting I have ever seen. It's like not fair. The final episode doesn't give me a conclusion that I loved, but the one that makes sense. That's Um, what I've heard. So I need to go back and I need to rewatch all of Ozark because it's been too long and I have a goldfish sitting where my brain should be. And but what I've heard is that I've heard some people like say the Ozark finale is one of the worst finales they've seen. No, it's one of those things that you're like, that sucks. And I've seen better, but in the context of this is realistic. Yeah, it's pretty freaking realistic, dude. It makes sense that it ended this way. It kind of stinks because in the past they were able to get out of stuff. And I think it just feels like, oh, your time ran out. Like it's not going to end perfectly. No, because that doesn't mean they died. It doesn't mean anything they caught up. It just means that they can't win every single time. You know, okay. So no spoilers. Um, and I think that's why people are upset. They wanted them to get away with everything. You can't get away with everything. Like stuff will catch up to you. So it was very realistic. I'm indifferent about the ending. It didn't make it all make sense. Like I would say the um, the best final season I've ever watched um, was actually The Good Place, and nothing. Okay. Compar- they executed that amazingly. It made the whole show worth it. This didn't make the whole show worth it. It was just like. This is, it felt like this is where we're going to stop telling the story. You're like, okay, sounds good. Um, I mean, still greatest show, greatest acting, writing. It was freaking sweet. I loved it. Outer Range with Josh Brolin. It's okay, dude. It's the first season of an Amazon Prime show. Um, Very sci-fi. Actually, no. It is sci-fi, but not, 
it has sci-fi in it, but they didn't invest too much time in it and they should have because you walk away feeling like, well, I have no idea what just happened. They didn't, they asked a bunch of questions and didn't provide any answers. And that was very frustrating. So if you watch the first two episodes and you're like, oh, this will get better. It's just going to be more of that first two episodes. So I think you can decide very early whether or not it's worth it. This is not a slow burn. It's a consistent burn. Test it out. If you don't like it, dip. I think season two is going to be way better, but I feel like we're still world building at the end of season one. Like we're still learning. And that was frustrating. And that's all I got. That's all I got. All right. Beautiful. Well, next week we are continuing our franchise theme. We are watching T2 Judgment Day. Uh, You can follow me on TikTok. I'm not on Twitter really anymore, but you know, TikTok and Twitch and YouTube permanent handle. That's all the fun stuff. Hey guys, follow me whatever you want. Don't follow me on Instagram. Twitter's probably the best or don't follow me at all. Hey man, if you just like the sound of my voice. What I personally suggest is if you follow him home, I hear he really appreciates that. Dude, if you follow me home, one of two things will happen. You'll get shot or if you're cool, we'll be friends. So if it's worth a gamble, go for it. (laughs) It is a very risky roulette wheel, but oh boy, is it tempting to spin. So, you know what? My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.